0: Hey, would you uh, just put a hand on your own heart? I just want to pray and then we'll release the word here. Thank you, Jesus, that you're here. You're ministering among us, Holy Spirit, that you are stirring hearts. You've made us alive in your presence, and there's a wooing. I hope you feel that this morning. There's a wooing. The Father's chasing people down. There's a, a yearning on the inside, a deep. The deep cries out to deep. That thing is come alive in our midst today. And I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would stir, awaken, remind us Cause us, Lord, to see clearly that we might walk fully with you. I release wisdom and revelation in this. Holy Spirit, just help me. Help me to articulate this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. My children and I um, have quiet times during the week. Uh, my wife also. Uh, we'll do devotions as a family together. And uh, I, I get the opportunity, because we homeschool, I get the opportunity to teach my kids one day a week. So dad's the instructor. Can you imagine that? It's a lot of fun. On those days, I facilitate our family devotional time. And this past week, we sat down, just to give you a little window into that, if you're wondering what that looks like. I'll throw worship music on in the background, just set an atmosphere for connection. We all get our Bibles out. We clarify what we're going to read together, something specific. The question that I leave each one with is that they, their job right now, and that's time that we provide, is to hear from the Lord for themselves. We're all going to read the same passage of Scripture, and we're asking God, what are you saying to me out of this? Each one's got to write something down, and then after we finish, we all share. It's powerful. It's amazing. You would not believe what comes out of the mouth of babes. You would not believe. I have kids that have such deeper, I rip them off all the time. I steal their revelation all the time. God speaks to them, and I go, oh, my goodness, I would have never thought of that. That's brilliant. Can I use that? Ha, <laughs> ha, you don't know the difference. <coughs> yeah, no, what ends up happening is we share, and there is this body of of. Revelation, like God speaks uniquely to each one, and there's value in what each person sees because we see things differently. And when we come together and we share like that, suddenly there's a bigger picture than just one perspective. It's powerful. It's amazing. And normally we'll share, and then Dad will sum it all up, and then I'll kind of lay a teaching on them a little bit out of the word. And, and then we go forth with our day, and I teach a class, and it's, it's fun well, Aurora, sitting in the front row here. Is it fun? We have a good time. Thank you. Yes. See? <laughs> Told you. I'll pay you later, honey. It's good. <laughs> we were looking at the book of Genesis this week, and the story of Joseph was front and center in uh, our Bible reading plan, and so we're going we're gonna to stop there today. We're going to start in Genesis 42, We had a couple chunks of Scripture we're going to read, and but uh, it's a very simple application today and appropriate, I think, for just time, time's sake. So this is Genesis 42, starting in verse 1. Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt. Israel, the land that they were living in, was in the midst of a famine. The world was in a famine. Nobody had food. It's a major drought. That's not like, oh, Google's not working or Amazon's not working, you know, or Kroger's ran out of something. Yeah, eggs. Thank you. There you go. The little, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about there's no water, so there's nothing available. Nothing. It all died out. If you remember back, Joseph had a dream, or, or excuse me, Pharaoh had a dream. Remember, Joseph interprets the dream and he finds out there's going to be seven years of abundance, seven years of famine. They're in the midst of that. This is Israel. Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt. And so Jacob said to his sons, why are you staring at one another? I love that. It's the dad, like, what are we doing here? Could could we please be proactive? He said, behold, I heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go there, buy some for us from that place so that we can live and not die. So the 10 brothers of Joseph went down to buy grain from Egypt. Jacob, however, did not send Joseph's brother, Benjamin. For he said, I am afraid that harm will befall him. Did you repeat after me? I'm afraid. Powerful confession. The sons of Israel came to buy grain among those who were coming. The world was going to Egypt to buy grain, and the famine was so was also in the land of Canaan. And so there's a problem. It was everywhere. And everybody's going to Egypt because they heard there's grain. Jacob looks at his sons. He's already lost one son. A little bit of backstory here is necessary. Jacob has 12 sons. Two wives and the servants of those wives all had children on his behalf. These become the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob's name is still Jacob, hasn't been changed to Israel yet. We see this experience where there's a family that's emerging in a land, and there's a famine that hits the land. And out of Jacob's relationship with his sons, he tends to favor Joseph. Joseph is the firstborn of his wife, Rachel. Rachel was his first love. It was the place that he had given his heart to. If you know the story of how Jacob ends up with multiple wives, it's, it's not an easy story. It's a little bit complicated. You know, is your life complicated in any spots? Anybody? Isn't it amazing how God chooses to use all of it, though? Here we got Jacob's relationship with Rachel. He loves her. She has a son, Joseph, and Jacob favors him. Gives him a coat of many colors. I imagine it looks something like this. (laughs) Gives him a coat. The brothers are jealous of the relational connection. If you remember the story, they gang up on Joseph, they sell him into slavery, and they pretend like he's dead to their dad. The dad goes into grief, like horrible grief. But the brothers no longer have to deal with the arrogant son of promise. Or do they? Because it turns out that God used it all for good, sent Joseph to Egypt, and God gave Joseph the dream that's going to save the world from starvation. Joseph's off in the foreign land. He's been made ruler of Egypt and eventually the world. The brothers have no idea what's coming for them. They betrayed him, they sent him off, and now here's the deal. You kind of catch you back up to speed here. Look at Genesis 35. I want to read one portion of this story because, whoo, it's going to hit home. We're jumping backwards in time here. Jacob just repaired his relationship with his brother, which was totally fractured, and he thought he was going to get murdered. Jacob had stolen the family blessing. He's a real pain in the rear end. He's selfish. He's an issue. But God chose him. I don't know if you need to like the vessel that God uses. Maybe every time you come to the house church, I annoy the socks off you. (laughs) But you go home and God just messes you up. And then at the end of it, there were way too many affirmations there. Okay, stop. (laughs) But it had nothing to do with the vessel. Because there's the Lord. The Lord is stirring in your heart. The Lord is messing you up. That's the God thing of this, right? It's not the vessel that's the issue. Although it is nice when they're likable, the vessels. (laughs) a little easier package. I try. That's why I tell dad jokes. (laughs) Jacob's going through his stuff. He finally deals with his brother. And then it says this. This is chapter 35, verse 1. God said to Jacob, arise and go to Bethel. Live there. Make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. What that is, that's go back to the beginning. Return to the place that you started drifting from your calling. God called Jacob, blessed him, laid the family inheritance on him, promised him the world, basically. And then Jacob starts going his own way. He finally deals with Esau, and God says, all right, Let's start over. Let me invite you back to the place I first talked to you. Go to Bethel and live there. So Jacob and his household and all who were with them, put away their foreign gods which were among them. Did you pick up any habits along the way that God probably wouldn't approve of? you got any side issues going on in your heart and your life? A little pain that's led to resentment and you got some problems with people and... You know, and so we just still do church. We're just plugging along. And then one day the preacher gets up and starts talking about it. And there's an invitation. Go back to Bethel. Bethel is house of God, the place where God dwells. Go back home. Let's go visit the place where God was actually talking to you. Because I got some more things to say. You kind of drifted off in the middle of when I was talking to you. The Lord calls him back. So Jacob tells him, ah, you've got to put away all the foreign gods. <laughs> Let's quick cover up. we got to put on our church clothes. Let's arise and go up to Bethel, and I'll make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had, all the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the oak, which is near Shechem. And as they journeyed, there was a great altar terror upon the cities that were around them. They did not pursue Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is, Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, and he and all the people were with him. So he built an altar there, and he called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died in that place. She was buried below Bethel under the oak. Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came to Padan Aram and he blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob. Israel shall be your name. Thus he called them Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you. Kings shall come forth from you. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, I'm giving it to you. And I will give the land of your descendants after you. Generational promise. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. Jacob set up a pillar in that place where he had spoken with them, a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering, and he also poured oil on it. And Jacob named the place where God had spoken to him Bethel. Hmm. Place of encounter previously. God draws him back to the place of encounter after Jacob had been drifting, kind of doing his own thing. You're not going to get away from your calling. What God calls you. In this case, God called him Israel, is his calling. If you want to know what your calling is in life, what does God call you? Ask him. Hey, God, what do you call me? There you go. It's really that simple, by the way. I call you Israel, for you're going to have nations coming out of you. You're a, you're a people, promise, a prince among the nations, ruler. To you are your identity. God's calling you forth. And what's he do? He calls him back to that place of encounter. To the beginning. You ever drifted? You ever gotten away from center? You know what I mean. Ah, come on, you pick up some stuff along the way, live in life. God went up from there. He called the place Bethel. Verse 16, they journeyed from Bethel. They were just some distance away. And Rachel began to give birth and she suffered a severe labor. And when she was in severe labor, the midwife said to her, don't fear for you have another son. But it came about that as her soul was departing, for she died, that she named him Ben-Oni, that is son of my suffering, son of my sorrow, but the father came in and called him Benjamin. Let's jump back to the story that we started with. There's a famine in the land. For some reason, they have it in their head that all the sons got to go. But there's a fear in dad to let go of the place, something. He's holding on to something. He's holding on to his first love, his wife. He already lost Joseph, who was his favorite, and now all he has left is Benjamin. Come on, put yourself in his shoes. Have you ever come to the place where you know you're holding something back from God? You know it. You know you're resisting and you know something has to change, and if I asked you to say it out loud, you actually could name it, but only in the darkest recesses of the corners of your closet. Because if you admitted it to anybody else, it would be in the light, and you know that you would have to change. But you don't want to. And because you don't want to, You literally are holding the key that opens up the blessing and the provision and your future in God. It's what's standing in the way now. Can you imagine a dad? Uh, I'm going to hold my son Benjamin back. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Put yourself in Jacob's shoes. Genesis 43, verse 1. They bought some food. They got back. But the famine was severe. So it came about when they had finished eating the grain which they had bought from Egypt the first time, their father said to them, go back and buy us a little more food. But Judah spoke to him and said, the man we talked to there, Said He warned us, you will not see my face unless your little brother comes with you. If you send our brother with us, Judas said to his dad, we'll go and buy you food. But if you don't send him, we're not going. For the man said to us, or Joseph said to them. See, they don't know it's Joseph. They just think it's an opportunity to buy food, but somehow it comes out. They have a little brother, and Joseph goes, ah, If you want more food, you're going to have to bring him back. Can I tell you, this is how God works. This is how God works. He wedges you into it. You get to deny it long, 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 long until the situation gets hard enough. And then he goes, are you going to let go or not? If you do not send him, we won't go. For the man said to us, you will not see on my face unless your brother is with you. And then Israel said, the dad said, why are you treating me so badly? A little gaslighting there. Why are you treating me so bad by telling the man whether you still had a brother? And they said, the man questioned us particularly about our relatives, saying, is your father alive? Have you another brother? And so we answered his questions. Could we possibly know that he would say, bring your little brother down? Judah said to his father Israel, send the lad with me. We'll arise and go. That we may live and not die. You know, Judah means praise. That's his name. It means praise. I kind of think that the guardian of your pain that you have to let go of is your worship. In the context of worship, you can let go of things that you couldn't get to otherwise. Send the lad with me, I'll arise, that we might live and not die. We as well as you and our little ones, I myself will be the surety for him. You may hold me responsible. If I don't bring him back to you and set him before you, let me bear the blame before you forever. For if we had not delayed, surely by now we could have returned twice. Then the father, Israel, said to them, If it must be so, then do this take some of the best products of our lands, carry it down to the man, present a little balm, a little honey, aromic gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts, almonds. Take double the money in your hands. Take it back in your hand, the money that was returned to you in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and arise. Return to the man. And may God Almighty grant you compassion in the sight of this man so that he will release to you your brother and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, then I'm bereaved. Hmm. That does not sound like a guy who's enjoying the wilderness. That sounds like a guy who got a sense of his calling and then somewhere along the way started saying no and is at the end of his life and is pretty frustrated because he never said yes to what God told him to do. Because when it came time to the cost, to laying it on the altar, to letting go, it was too much and you said no. And I am here today to tell you that the bounty of the land, the land of Goshen, the plenty, the blessing of the Lord, that it still is available to you. And your father in heaven has been chasing you down. And he means for you to receive it. He's that good. But at the end of the day, you got to let go. You got to let go. The sermon today is called Let Go and Let God. It's appropriate. A little bit quiet in here, maybe a little intense. Come on, you got this. Don't be afraid. He loves you. He really loves you. But there might be a reason you're in some pain. Why abundance is keeping, like staying away from you. Why it always seems like all you have is seed and not the bread. He gives seed to the sower, bread to the eater. He always makes sure you have enough to sow into your future. He always makes sure. He puts that in your hand every single time. But the abundance comes from obedience. The abundance comes from walking in the grace that God gave you. You must say yes to the call. You got to walk it out, y'all. He redeemed you for purpose. He redeemed you for purpose. Man, this preach, this is the kind that starts revivals. You You ought to let this one get on the inside. It's the ultimate test of the Lord. It's the ultimate test. It is the same test that Abraham went through. Put your son on the altar. Here's the promise. Now, let it go. I know I promised you something, but you cannot control and make it happen, so you have to let it go. You can't make it happen. You got to let go. You got to entrust him. You got to sow it into him. You got to raise the knife, just like Abraham did. And when he raised the knife, what was in the thicket? The seed, the sacrifice, what was actually required. Because God will always provide it. In the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. In Bethel, in the place of presence, in that place, Praise will be your guardian. In worship, you come before him, and when he speaks to your heart and he asks for something, he knocks on the door of your heart and he says, hey, I want to talk to you about this. Don't deny him access. Say yes, open up, and if he requires something from you, sow it. Let it go. It's not the end of the story, though, is it? Because they go. They go. And it turns out it's Joseph, and Jacob actually never lost his son. And everything that he had been mourning and thought was gone was actually alive and living in abundance. Everything that he believed in the imagination of his mind that had happened to his son, turns out it was all a lie. (laughs) And that there was a land. Goshen was the best of Egypt. There was a land they were about to be given. They were about to be given everything that they had possibly dreamed of. They were living in squalor and famine. And God was about to heap blessing on them. And Jacob was about to get everything back that he thought he lost. But what did it require? The last thing he was holding on to. Pain is not a guardian. Pain is a jailkeeper. Heartache is not a guardian. It's keeping you from the restoration that he wants to give you. Your pain, your past experiences, they tell you stuff. They warn you, oh, don't do that. Do this, make sure you avoid that. It talks to you all the time, your pain. And I'm telling you today that your pain is a liar. It's a liar, y'all. It's a liar. The Father is chasing you down and whatever that is, See, y'all got nervous. Man, you know, I, okay, I'm not going to words of knowledge. I'm not going to start calling you out. Right? That's, that's 30 years ago prophets. We don't do that. Right? In this house, this is a house that is, we, we cultivate, we come into the Lord's presence, and in the place of praise, he speaks to you. And you are empowered to make powerful, wise decisions. Let the fear of the Lord grip your heart this day. Because God has a plan for your life. There is a calling. It's the real And he wants to heap abundance on you, but it costs you the thing you're clinging to. It's not your friend, it's holding you captive. I've told this story several times. I'll keep it brief and we'll land the plane. When Nicole and I began to think about having children, it was terrifying to my wife because she did not want to have children. I had it in my heart. I actually told her when I was living in South Korea, I was stationed there, it was a remote tour. I was there for a year without her. It was the beginning of our marriage. She remembers the conversation very clearly because I was on a payphone standing out, basically like in the snow on the street, talking on a payphone, collect call back to my bride. I'm, I'm 19 years old, probably 20 at that point, and I tell her, hey, I want us to have a family. I want eight kids. I said that when I was 20 years old. I want eight kids she said, who's going to have them kids? (laughs) She didn't want any. And so she began to take it to the Lord. Lord, this is going to be a problem. She began praying at that point, processing. Eventually, we were five years into our marriage, and something shifted in her heart. We got around some cute kids, some little ones. It was, they just were cute, you know, and and suddenly we were like, hey, we like them, you know, they're not just wiping snot on you, like, I think we want one of those, and something shifted in my wife's heart, and she yielded, she trusted the Lord, she knew it was a trust move, so she said yes to Jesus. We conceived Happiness, excitement, readiness. And then there wasn't a heartbeat. And the heartache and the pain and all that stuff set in. And it was devastating because it took so much to finally say yes to God. It was a journey. We're in the hospital blood transfusions it doesn't go well like it doesn't go well at all dangerous my wife almost loses her life in this process and I remember we were laying in the hospital bed single hospital bed I'm laying with her we're weeping and the Holy Spirit comes over us and he asks us this question will you let me plan your family Do you realize that if you say yes to God, that it does not mean everything is easy street? Jacob said yes to God, and the wife that he loved with all his heart died in childbirth. Like, next scene in the story. Lord, I don't understand why we have gone through what we have gone through, but I trust you. I know that you are good. And we signed up again. We said yes. Within the next year, we're pregnant. She recovered. My firstborn son, Josiah, was on his way. You realize that if the first child would have been born into this world, my son, Josiah, would not have been. And one day when I stand before the throne, I'll also have other children with me. Come on. Come on. Each pregnancy we experienced, we lost one in between. We have eight kids in heaven. And we have eight here on earth. Do you see it can you see it can you see how the lord in his goodness multiplies things when you let go of your control if we would have held on to control we would not have if after each one of those losses the lord came to you and he said will you trust me to plan your family which is what he did he came to us every time and said, will you trust me to plan your family? And every time we had to sign up, say yes. Never easy, always in the context of praise and worship, always with adoration on the throne. See, in that place, you're able to say yes. When you count the cost and you hold on to your stuff, very difficult. Friends, I don't know what you're going through, but I can tell you that the king of all creation knows who you are, has placed calling and purpose in your life, And that the way to life, the way to walk it out, the way to experience eternal life, the abundance of heaven here on earth while you live on earth, the way to do that is to continually say yes to him. It's not to withhold your life. It's not to cling to something. It's to let it go. And then trust that things will return to you, and they always do, because when you sow seed, abundance returns. How many apples are in an apple seed? You have no idea what God has planned for you. It's way beyond. I know that you've had costs. I know that you've had pain. Your pain, should, your pain is not a good teacher towards the things in God. You got to trust him. And it may be difficult, but you should say yes to him. You should say yes to him. Amen. Can I have someone come back up on the keys? And thank you, Kyle. Listen, right where you're at, we're going to make this a little altar. It doesn't need to be long because I have a feeling this entire sermon you've been thinking about the one thing that you know you've been resisting the Lord in because that's the way the Holy Spirit works. He brings clarity. If you're searching your heart like, where is it? What is it? Ah, don't, don't, then don't stress. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. When he's ready to talk to you about something, he'll talk to you about it. You don't need to go searching for things. Just put a hand on your own heart. Lord, this morning we present ourselves to you. And God, these are days of awakening, truly, that you are in these days causing hearts to stir towards you. You're restoring what's been lost. Lord, I thank you that there is a shift, a transformation on the brink of things. And that you're calling each person, Lord, into service, into your kingdom, to your purposes. And we just want to say yes to you today. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll hear my voice and open, I'll come in. I have this one thing against you, says the Lord. You've forsaken your first love. Therefore, remember, remember the height from which you've fallen. Remember when you were walking with him. Remember when your heart was singular in its passion towards Jesus. Remember. Repent. It's time to change your mind. It's time to let go of some stuff. Okay, Lord, I said no to you before, but I know you're asking me again today, and I say yes to you. Repent. Change your mind. And do the deeds you did at first. Return. Do the deeds you did at first. It's time to go back. I don't know where your Bethel was, that place where you encountered God, but it's time to go back. It's not a city, it's not a location, it's not that. It's this place in your heart. It's where you surrender again. Come back to what he said to you. What's the last thing he asked you to do? If you're wondering why there's distance, this says, why, for some reason you said no. Just go back to what he asked you before. He's still standing there waiting for you. Return. (laughs) Return. Return. To the love. Return. Return to the place you know so well your father is waiting for you father we come before you as a people today where we turn our seats into altars we just say yes to you or we hear you knocking on our hearts we say yes to you we say yes to you listen if you got to get right with Jesus today you should just say yes Lord forgive me Wash me clean. I'm so sorry I've been resisting you. I want to return. I want to know and walk with you and return to this place of eternal life and abundance. Thank you, Jesus. Wash me clean, Jesus. Restore to me my first love, a right spirit within me that we can worship and walk in union with you. a moment longer, just waiting, just a moment longer. I see this. It's like a a jar of oil and it's healing and he wants to heal. There's a lot of pain around some of the places that we've resisted and he wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. What you have lost here on earth is not lost in eternity. They're cheering you on. The sacrifices that you make, they're counted in eternity. He sees everything. Lord, I pray right now that you release your angels to minister healing to people, Lord, that a mighty deliverance might happen. Deliverance is when you let go of the things that you're holding on to, okay? It's not a demon possessing you. It's that you're possessing something that's causing you pain. And the Lord is bringing healing this morning to cause that thing to no longer fester, that you could let go. So, Lord, I pray right now a healing balm would come over those things. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, visit people in a dream. Cause their hearts to come alive. Where there's loss, Lord, would you please speak and bring healing and life in every way, Lord. God, I thank you for this. Thank you for this. Church, would you just go ahead and stand to your feet right now? And as you do so, I just want you to put a hand on someone's shoulder. Just recognize that someone's near you, okay? We're going to release the blessing of the Lord this morning. And as we always do, but I want you to recognize that in the place of worship, in that place of Bethel, God's house, that that generational calling gets restored. And so if you've said yes to Jesus this morning, oh my, friends, there's an alignment, a divine alignment over your life right now. And so, Father, this morning, we wholeheartedly as the people of God, we bless this house. We bless your people. Come on, is there an amen in here? We bless you. The fullness of all that God has planned for your life, may you walk in it. What has resisted, may it be removed from your life. May healing return. May the door open once again to you. The calling be restored. The blessing of the Lord upon you. The blessing of a thousand generations align upon your life. That you may know his goodness in the land of the living. I bless you today. I bless you today. I bless you today. The fullness, the fullness, the fullness. Now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's countenance be upon you. May he be gracious to. you and grant you his peace, his peace. Be silent every storm, peace, in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody who dared to agree with that said, come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord this morning?